Not for nothing, nice tits. Fucking took you long enough. <laughs> this is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 158 for the week of June 5th, 2017. I am Midnight Bus to Nowhere, David T. Cole, and I'm here with crowd work, Sarah D. Bunting. Anyone here from Jersey? Charlie Callis' manager, Tar Ariana. Listen, Charlie needs this booth. And chuckle fucker, Omar Gallega. Hey, nice set. What a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> welcome back to another extra hot, great, and please welcome our very special guest, uh, returning champion, Omar Gallega. Hello, Omar. Omar. Yeah. Hello from Texas. Hi, guys. <laughs> Uh, Omar is here to discuss Showtime's new dramedy series. I'm dying up here about um, stand-up comedy in the 1970s at a comedy store type place that is not the comedy store. Um, I called this Studio 59 on the Sunset Strip after we finished watching it. <laughs> Omar, you seem to be the one critic, uh, having written our new show fact sheet on it at Previously.TV, who didn't hate it. Explain yourself. <laughs> uh, I've seen I've seen some other write-ups that were a little bit warm. Seppenwall wasn't completely down on it, and I've seen some others that were a little bit more lukewarm. But it definitely is not re- earning like huge raves and kudos from everybody. That's for sure. Um, I liked it because I I watched all six episodes. We had uh, access to the first six episodes from Showtime, yeah. and I thought it got better. I thought it it settled in a little bit more. It wasn't so heavily into the '70s stuff that the first the pilot seems to pile on. And I felt like it, it, I got more interested in the characters as it went on. So that, that was kind of what I liked about it was that I actually started getting invested, uh, in some, especially Cassie, uh, Ari Grainer's character. I really liked and, um, Goldie, uh, played by Melissa Leo. I thought those two characters got much, much more interesting as it went along. So I, I'm invested enough to probably keep watching, but yeah, I, it's definitely not like the peak of peak TV. It's, it's <laughs> kind of in the middle, middle tier of, of, you know, premium cable drama stuff those were the two characters that i was most interested in too sarah what did you think of the show how many did you watch um, we just we just watched the, the pilot which is the only one in the series so far i watched two because i wanted to give it a chance to like on piloty itself whereas you called it studio 59 on the sunset strip i called it paunch line because <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you uh because it suffers from that that uh, problem that both those properties have, which is that if you show the comedy and it's not hilarious, and if you rely a lot also on like cutaway shots of people laughing hysterically, <laughs> yeah, it's it's really a it's really a problem. Like I thought it did have some good moments of like processy stuff because that's what I would be interested in is like the processy part of being funny. And not so much like, no, trust us. This is hilarious. Like, eh. okay. Plus, we get it. It's the 70s. We, we absolutely get it. Uh, I can dig it. There were some, there were some uh, like problems in the pilot that were not solved for me in terms of like, are we supposed to like this character? And 
if we're not, that's okay. But like, a, whatever, stand up comedians are jerks sometimes. Like, we got that too. I don't we think we're supposed that, to like, like the priest if that's what you're getting at. <laughs> Mr. Belding. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in the uh, show. I, I, feel like- yeah, I mean, I love Ari Grainer. I wanted to like this more. I thought she was interesting. I like Melissa Leo. I wanted to stick with it and see if it would go sort of anywhere interesting with them. But there was just there was just a lot of other stuff that was not funny enough. And because it's not the peak of peak TV, I was like, okay, two's mm-hmm. enough. I gave it a chance and I'm all set. This show is to stand up comedy what Roadies was to Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> huh? Same yeah. network, same problems. Uh, I don't really know how many yep. people are genuinely interested in the behind the scenes, you know, stand up comedy. There's a line from Patton Oswalt's set from a long time ago. I don't care how the things I like were made. I just want to watch them. Uh, and I kind of feel like that might be the case with stand up comedy for most people. Like, and uh, the inherent drama here is, you know, pretty low stakes. Um, and it's not, that foreign or alien of a world at least not to me anyways maybe i'm just you know because tar is such a comedy nerd that it's rubbed off on me but it it's not so uh interesting unto itself like that world that cosmos you know that ecosystem of of managers and and club owners and you know the tonight show and everything like that that it seems like uh, you know, you're, you're getting a, a glimpse behind the curtain you wouldn't have otherwise. Well, the other thing is that like, and Omar, you do comedy, so you can speak to this, but the the whole, it seemed like the pilot spent a lot of time establishing the idea of like, no, comics really have, uh, they have a lot of darkness in them. And there's, you know, the whole, the, 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 the precipitating <laughs> event of the pilot is this guy getting his Tonight Show debut and then apparently, or maybe not, but probably like deliberately stepping out inside of a bus and getting, you know, smushed, not by a smart car, like an unbreakable Kimmy Smith, Schmidt getting <laughs> fatally smushed by a bus. Um, and, and it's sort of like, uh, Anyone who would be interested in watching this show, I feel like already ha- knows that about comics. Omar, what, it, what what did you think of that aspect of it? Yeah, if you were a process comedy nerd, none of this stuff is going to feel new to you. It's, it's based on a 2010 nonfiction book about the actual L.A. comedy scene, and it sort of dips into that reality a bit. Like, it will recreate The Tonight Show and and tell you how big a deal it is to get on Carson. They recreate Let's Make a Deal in a, in a future episode. They recreate the Sunny and Cher show. So there's sort of this mix of these fictional comedians trying to make a break mixed in with real comedians. And like at one point, they have a guest star play Richard Pryor, and, and he actually appears in the episode. So it's sort of mixing those worlds. And, and I don't think that quite works because – these comedians are definitely not as interesting as the real comedians that were <laughs> or as funny as the ones that existed at the time. Yeah. And also, I feel like we've kind of hit peak stand-up comedy shows. Like yes. we've got Crashing, Louie, Lady Dynamite, Take My Wife, and, you know, all to varying degrees of, of quality. Uh, but like this feels like if you look at a show like Crashing, that I think gets more into what it's like to break into comedy now uh, and does it successfully, even though I don't think it's particularly a super great show. Um, and this one, I, I, it, it's not telling me much that I don't already know. If you, if you know much about comedy, it, it feels like it's retreading a lot book? of cliches. No, I hadn't. But actually, this, this, I actually want to read the book now that I've seen six episodes of the show yeah, to kind of same, compare Because I'm sort of like, like, I feel like there's not going to be quite as much hand-holding with the book. And if there is, I can just like skip ahead a couple of pages. But do you feel like it should be more fictional or more of the real people? 
I would have actually now having seen six episodes of this, I think I would have preferred the act the nonfiction version of this, like the yeah, actual same. Uh, the actual Mitzi Shore, you know, portrayal and the actual because you know they're going to slip that stuff in anyway. You know they're going to put you know Andy Kaufman in there somewhere at some point. You know that they're that they're going to include more TV shows in this and like why kind of split the difference? Why not just go? make a faithful adaptation of the nonfiction book and really talk about the the actual comedians that populated that space. I think that would be way more interesting. Yeah, same. Well, there was one thing about the show, Omar, that you asked us to, uh, to clip. And I believe Dave has a special segment prepared for this. (laughs) This, We're not moving on. This is a nested segment. Is this worse than jazz? Been a while. Now, I want to say this. Omar brought this to our attention because the credit sequence is not in the pilot episode as aired, I believe. And it does appear starting with episode two. So if you're still watching next week when this airs, you can look forward to this, which I'm going to say was my most immediate and quickest. Oh, my God. This is actually worse than jazz question i heard a like whoa from my office yes <laughs> so here it is i'm warning you straight up i'm not stopping it we're gonna listen to the whole thing here is the oh. theme from the show as you will hear next we week. should say real quick imagine like cheesy 70s footage over this like 70s porn looking grimy and visuals every over possible this. 70s font in yes. the credits yeah, here we go. Well. Okay. every single one all right here we go Someone drop a house on her, fuck. Tara's face right now. <laughs> but is the is our jazz riff still playing under it? This is what it really sounds like. Yes. Oh my god. Yeah, that that was that not our is. jazz loop under that. That was the theme. That's in. what I thought for most of it. So I was like, well, it's you know stupid, but wow, it's equally as bad as jazz. Therefore. It is worse than jazz because it is jazz plus canned laughter. Yeah. And boy, those two things do not go together. And At one point, well, there's a visual that says shut up. And you're just like, yeah, some editor felt the same. Yeah. So uh, uh, quick vote. Is that worse than jazz? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. And we have a new worst credits theme ever yeah congratulations mini project you're off the hook <laughs> and homeland speaking of showtime <laughs> oh. uh that was that amazing it swears in it 
And I'm so happy, Omar, that you brought that to my attention because I don't think I would even worse to that otherwise. And that was it's even worse without the visuals. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought this um, show was trying very hard to be like a TV Cameron Crowe production or something like it wanted to be almost famous. The laugh years or something See, like I, that. to me, it was like budget. <laughs> Uh, boogie nights. Yes, maybe I only thought that because of Alfred mm-hmm. Boogie when he showed up. No, Alfred it has Boogie. aspects of that. All the certainly all the tracking shots. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. The tracking shots and the whole thing about the guys living in the and closet. And let's not forget and... the aspiring comedian jerking off with two priests and a dying guy in the room. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. that was pretty. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> not for the chuckle fucker. Uh, yeah, this, this, uh, did not grab me. Um, I don't think I need to continue watching it. Uh, certainly there's a lot of competition these days, as Omar says. Um, but, uh, like Showtime, they already did this with roadies. I'm surprised this made it. Like, I don't know whether it was, I know like Jim Carrey is involved with this somehow. He's yeah, like, he produced you know, it. Um, executive producer. if it's, you know, just, he, he managed to get it through the barrier that should have been roadies part two warning system. But, um it did and it's here and it's like it's not like so bad like it's not super terrible it's just sort of like bad (laughs) you know and it's just like after roadies i'm just kind of surprised that so soon after that show we're basically getting a parallel show to it it's just it just i found it surprising sarah i was curious did you recognize um since you've been doing a happy endings rewatch of late the super queenie friend of the happy endings crew as the long-haired guy who gives his wife crabs uh, no know, right? that's him but now yeah. that you mention it totally i mean the wigs are yeah the wigs are so terrible that uh yeah that was um that was interesting that i mean that plot was not interesting but mm. um his i don't know they're trying to make it out like he's a you know womanizer Is right kind of an interesting his, choice his, his storyline yeah. ends up being that he has a baby and that like you know like he has to juggle that having a family and a job and a baby with his stand-up career and ends up cutting his hair so that's like a big (laughs) storyline later on well i wasn't interested until you mentioned cutting his hair now i'm riveted (laughs) i just wish i just wish that it were all about goldie slash mitzi and everything else was kind of background and it wasn't this like you know the lives and loves of the haha hole like i don't care i'm yeah. interested i mean in uh, the the only interesting life. scene i scene i thought was in that episode was when when Go- when uh cassie comes in and demands stage time and mitzi explains to her why she's not ready like you you get the impression that they've had this conver- versions of this conversation before with mitzi just like flat saying she's not but this is maybe the first time that she's ever explained exactly what her issue is and, right. you know, I thought from a pragmatic perspective, like saying, I don't know what you are as a woman comedian. And then she tries to argue back and is like, yeah, but no. And like, that's true. Like, it sucks, but it's still a thing now. And, you know, if you're just telling different kinds of jokes, like you need to refine, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to do. And I got that. And then they ruined it by having her get the stage time by essentially blackmailing her. So it's like, well, now I don't know what to feel about either of these two, really. And, you know, as Sarah said, like, if the com- if the comedy is supposed to be amazing, it's got to be amazing. And her set was like, it was fine. But like, it wasn't the breakthrough that we're, it's made. Well, out yeah, it was definitely edited to be this like triumphant breakthrough where she comes back from the brink of flopping and then it's hilarious. And I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, no, 
it needs to be edited better or not shown. Right. Anyway, I could kind of forgive. Who cares? It's too. It's a waste of those actresses. It's unfortunate, but I'm I'm out. I'm good. I'm well, Omar, book, since though. we made you watch it, I'm glad that you at least liked it. <laughs> That's a relief. I, um, I liked it. Okay. Bad when I, we assign stuff and people are like, "Fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> well, I could kind of I could kind of forgive the the lack of humor on that that the era that maybe comedy just wasn't as funny at the time or like yeah. it wasn't as evolved. But the jokes themselves, to me, feel like they were written in 2017. They don't feel like jokes of that era. Right. That too. That yeah, I sense. thought that too. But uh, I think that might be out of necessity, though. Like you know, if you go up there mm-hmm. and you do a Stephen Wright, you know, set, you know, I got a you know, an actual scale map of the United States that says one mile equals one mile on it. Like, that's funny, but it doesn't really sell the same way. It's like comedy is a different animal now, right? Yeah. You know? So yeah, I, but, I forgive him. But that. then it's not a period piece, you know, which I, yeah, and it's it was trying also, to be a period piece, but It was a problem not. in the dialogue. There were a couple of little ticky, like 21st century things. Yeah. Like someone was like, really? And it's like, that's not. I heard yeah. Barry the lead in a future episode. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, but the one thing I will say that I do like about the show beyond uh, the portrayal from Melissa Leo, who I think is great in it, is it's got a very deep guest cast list. Like, I mean, Dylan Baker, Robert Forrester, Kathy Moriarty, Alfred Molina. Like, it's got a lot of really did, good guest stars. Did I see Brian things. Cranston on the couch of The Tonight Show? As the I second guest? So. It, no, no dialogue, but I swore I saw his face. Uh, I did not see mm. that. Okay. I didn't clock I that either. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. But I really, no, it I like Dylan Baker as uh, Carson. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I did too. I, the thing is, it, it's a very crowded cast. It feels like there's like three too many cast members, yeah. so you don't get as much Melissa Leo or Ari Grainer as you as you could if there weren't so many storylines and characters. All right. All right. <laughs> sounds like we're done with this one, eh? Uh, I'm dying so- up here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that segment flopped. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, I'm dying up Flop there. Kind of, kind of dies up there, right? I mean, you know, here's the danger of naming your show. I'm dying up there. Yeah, dying up here. <laughs> there, die up here. there is one episode uh, with Jerry Burns, who I love, where he's dying, on, literally, you know, like crapping the bed on stage. And it is one of the most tense, like realistic portrayals of what, you know, the sweat and the silence. And it's just super uncomfortable. But there's there's not enough of that. Oh, well, show, I do like him. So let me know what episode that's in because I might jump jump he's, ahead and just he's, watch uh, it. He, he's her, he's um, Goldie's ex, Ooh. which is great. Also, that dynamic. All right. All right. Moving on. Yep. It is time to go around the dial, and our first engineer. What is Tara? It's a train now. We're choo chooing around the dial. <laughs> it made sense in my head. Okay. Um, speaking of things that make sense in your head, bad segue. Uh, the Leftovers aired its series finale on Sunday. Um, without getting into it, because I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it yet, even though as this comes out, it will have been three days ago. But uh, it was satisfying in every way that the Lost finale wasn't. And I'm happy for Damon Lindelof that he got to <laughs> redeem himself truly, because he's he's someone who like, you know, I occasionally see his tweets and like he's self-deprecating about, you know, the reception that the Lost finale got and how it was not uniformly positive. That is positive spin. Um, that I think they put a lot more thought into the way the leftovers would ha- should and would have to wrap up, and it really worked for me. I thought they drew, you know, for a show that had 
shown a lot of different perspectives and especially in, you know, season two, like completely just picked up and changed its setting. Um, I thought the, the way season three sort of wound down gave all of those characters like a nice valediction. And then, you know, for the, for it to end with Kevin and, uh, Nora felt right. And, um, and her journey through season three with the, you know, the whole thing with the physicists and getting sent to the other side and stuff I thought was fascinating. And then getting to hear how it, she's, she, what happened with that. And that, you know, there was, there, I feel like there was a version of that that never explained what happened after she went into the machine and that this did, it, it worked for me. Sarah, I know you've been watching the show. Did you watch the finale yet? Um, I am not caught up on season three at all, but you're not spoiling me. Okay. I'm like aware of things that happened. Um, I think that this, I think that Carrie Coon, who was like just brilliant, Ugh, uh, the best. I think that it really helped, you know, you sort of wonder what this show looks like taken off, like taken off the hands of this acting core mm-hmm. and uh, given to the, um, well-meaning and loud, but not as good core of Lost. Like you, you sometimes wonder if you had the leftovers cast in Lost, like yeah. they wouldn't have saved it probably because no. I gave up on that show too. But I mean, Matthew Fox versus, <laughs> uh, God, I'm blanking on his name. Help me, Eccleston. Like, oh yeah, there's no, there's no contest. So mm. I'm. Like it's all sitting on my DVR. I'm super excited to get to it, uh, and I'm really glad that they found this way to uh, end it. You know, sort of fairly mm-hmm. for everyone, isn't for characters a, and and audience. Isn't Eccleston sort of the Terry O'Quinn character, though? Yeah, kind of. But yeah. I, I mean, yeah, probably sort of. But I, I'll also say, as I was watching it, that I was thinking of the other, you know, apocalypse shows that I have watched, like. Last Man on Earth and even fucking Under the Dome in its completely stupid way. And like that, that what sets this one apart is that even though you would think when you hear what the premise is that you would, you would expect it to be very pessimistic, but it's actually very weirdly hopeful. Um, and really funny, like in a very surprising way. Um, the, uh, the way the, the Australian sex boat episode ends, which Sarah, <laughs> good luck to you when, when you get to that one. It's really, oh, no. it's crazy. No, 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 it's not bad, but like the, it has the best final line of any episode of TV that I can remember watching like this year. Like there, there's just, they'll, they'll surprise good. you. It was good. And I should know. I'm Frazier. <laughs> Dave <laughs> has watched a couple of episodes. I have watched like four or five episodes over just three seasons by sitting in the Passively. same room and they all are like so different from each other that, yeah yeah it's really a show that had that tried a lot of different stuff and i feel like it ended whether it was on the schedule that they would have wanted like it ended at the perfect time in the perfect way and it didn't feel like it ever made any big compromises and i just admire that it's so and it's, it's so also rare. inspired some really amazing, beautiful writing from critics. I'm thinking of uh, our friend Mo Ryan at Variety. If you haven't been following her coverage of it and you are watching the show, then I definitely suggest you check that out. We can link to it in the show notes. But she's been, you know, her writing is always great, but she's been inspired particularly by the show to like sort of meditations on her own life and the nature of grief and whatnot, which sounds like it's going to be a lot, but it's Great. I recommend. Yeah. If you if you never watched it because you thought like, well, I'm not going to pick up another show like this, like I get it. But there's only three seasons and now it's over and you, you know, you can sample it and, and uh, 
see if you like it. There are there are two episodes, one in season two and one in season three, that are like extended dream episodes that I hate, and but everyone else likes them, so you can feel free to ignore me on International Assassin and International Assassin Two, whatever the second one was called, which was the same thing again. <laughs> But anyway, uh, uh, great show. We're lucky to have had it. So, you know, as peak TV starts to contract the number of scripted shows that we're going to be seeing, which I'm sure is happening soon, I'm glad that this one snuck in while we could have it. And for this is my, my plug, summer catch-up project. Uh, oh, sorry, Omar. Oh, I was going to say, this is my summer catch-up show. Oh, good. I'm, I'm planning to catch up on this one. You will enjoy it, it, I think. Um, and for my for my plug, I'll just mention, without citing all of the names, because now there are a billion of them, please go to previously.tv slash podcasts. <laughs> Uh, and check out all our many, many podcasts, of which there are many, particularly Married at First Sight, the most ridiculous one that I'm doing at the moment. Yes, even more ridiculous than, again, with this Beverly Hills 902. That one is called Bride and Doom. <laughs> Bride and Doom to subscribe. Thank you, Dave. Yes, no problem. Omar. Okay. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about Fear of the Walking Dead. I've been covering Walking Dead and Fear of the Walking Dead for previously for a while. And I, I again, in the minority, I maybe I'm just too generous or, or like TV too much, but I was kind of impressed with the premiere. It was a, the two-hour uh, kind of stacked the first two episodes uh, Sunday night uh, as we're recording this. And uh, the first one I thought was as action-packed and full of interesting stuff as any Walking Dead premiere. I thought it, it really did a good job of kind of getting them into a situation and getting them out and not dragging it out over half a season uh, like sometimes happens on Walking Dead. Um, and uh, they got rid of a major cast member very early in the second half of that episode, which was kind of surprising. So uh, it I think it's a show that takes a lot more chances than The Walking Dead because it can because it and it has a much smaller cast so it's able to kind of get into their storylines a little bit more deeply even if they're not always super interesting characters so I'm I still watch it and enjoy it and in, in that it's it's it feels like the younger brother of Walking Dead that can be a little wilder and do different things and change the setting up more often than the flagship show which is kind of stuck in its groove so they finally so, got off the uh, boat. Eh? <laughs> they got off the boat midway through the last season the and then they were in Mexico. <laughs> now they're on the border. Like that I like that it can change its location and split the characters up and put them in different settings. I get really tired of The Walking Dead being you know woods adjacent all the time. Right. <laughs> Trees, right? Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> But so, um, th- th- go ahead. speaking of trees and stuff, but that's like one of the big problems with Walking Dead is like wherever they go, somehow <laughs> the, the lawns are still pretty short. You know, the grass still rural Georgia. Yeah, <laughs> wherever yeah. they go, it's like uh, you know I, they can do CG a lot of stuff, but I guess they can't really CG tall grass too uh, cost effectively yet. Well, maybe goats yeah. are zombies too. No animals aren't affected. It's just humans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, then this goats is- are still uh- alive. Yes, that's true. I, I don't even watch the show. Why do I care? Continue. <laughs> without their without their primary, uh, you know, uh, uh, competition, man, goats have run amok and have kept every lawn in the south <laughs> short, crisp, and clean. Thank you, goats. You're the this, greatest of all time. This would have been a good. Speaking of goats, it's game time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what do you got uh, to plug there, Omar? 
my my plug is uh, Fear the Walking Dead on on previously that I'm covering. And uh, this weekend, if you happen to be anywhere near the Austin area, my comedy troupe, the Latino Comedy Project, we're doing our first full length show in many many years called Gentrifucked. Awesome! Uh, this weekend, Friday, <laughs> nice. Saturday night. Four shows. It's really good. We did it at San Francisco Sketch Fest and Out of Bounds Fest last September, and this is sort of the the refined, full length version of it. So we're very pleased to. I do enjoyed a your show about gentrification uh, in Austin. I enjoyed your little part in that uh, promo short where you're just in the back oh, of the we've room been ha- screaming at people. So <laughs> <laughs> we've been having a lot of fun with these videos we're doing promoting. That was great. It. So it's, we'll it's link that up in the show so, notes too. So yeah, if, uh, sure. if you you are yeah, come see it, please. Yeah, if you're around there and you want to get tickets or whatever, you can uh, check out the show notes. So, And I'm sure some of our listeners will be around because they're probably going to ATX Festival this year. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Come see it. I, I, yeah, I'm sad, so sad to miss that festival. I love ATX Fest, but it just happened to be on the same weekend. But, uh, but yeah, if, if you're in town, come say hi. Awesome. Sarah D. Bunting. Um, well, if you know me, you know that I love deadheads and hippies. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't. But I am going to talk about uh, Amazon's multi-part ser- documentary series about the wa- the Walking Dead. <laughs> the Grateful Dead. Goat. <laughs> the Goatful Dead. <clears throat> it's called Long Strange Trip. Uh, it is directed by Amir Barlev, who has done some other documentaries, including Happy Valley, which is about the uh, Paterno-Sandusky mess, uh, Trouble the Water. I've liked his past work without loving it, but I'm really into this series because it's that uh, rare behind the music-y property that is both uh, for deadheads and fans of this music and for people who are find it totally tiresome and hate <laughs> hippies. Uh, so Tara, I'm not going to like twist your arm about it, but if you watch 10 minutes, you'd be like, Ugh, fucking hippies. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not perfect. It, like so many properties of this type, way overestimates how interesting it is to watch someone be on LSD, which is to say, not very. And actually, in uh, I'm Dying Up Here, there was like a bit with one of the characters who's like, you know, they've just found out someone else died. And he's like, I just dropped two hits of blah, blah, blah. And it just seems to go on for a while. And it's like, okay, we get it. You're tripping. Shut up. <laughs> um, like, we've all listened to the doors. We We know what we get it. Uh, but it's footage that I didn't feel like I'd seen a million times on behind the music and other sort of like documentaries about the 60 60s. It's good processy gossipy band politics stuff, which I enjoy. And that will appeal to people who like to watch behind the music, even when they didn't care for the band in question, they sort of liked that um, familiar arc of like the climb up to the heights of fame, the trough afterwards, the, you know, backbiting and terrible pants. So yeah, I'd recommend it. It's called Long Strange Trip. If you have Amazon Prime, it is free. And so yeah, shut up hippies. Uh, my <laughs> now plug, and forever. What's that? Now and forever. Shut up hippies. Yes, now and forever. Um, my plug is for Little House on the Blotter Presents. That's right. Uh, as you're listening to this, the Blotter Presents will have dropped with my guest, Kim Reed, of Little House on the podcast. We talked about a Bill Cosby special on Investigation Discovery and also about a very close to home uh, crime from her neck of the woods in the southern tier of New York. So check that out. And the time has finally arrived. Two days from now, Friday, uh, Go Pirates, our Veronica Ooh. Mars podcast with me and John Ramos will be dropping at last. You'll have a new episode every Friday. And so please check us out, Twitter, 
and Facebook. We are Go Pirates Pod, and we hope to hear from you on the forums at previously.tv as And well. visual aids, too, like with uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Yes, because there's some very oddies tech happening that <laughs> attention must be paid. Also, Wig Cop will be uh, <laughs> circling the premises constantly. Excellent. <laughs> uh, that podcast and all the other podcasts, you can hit all the links to subscribe at previously.tv slash podcasts. All right, so I'm going to play a clip from a show. You have to guess what it's from, okay? It's oh, old, no. but okay. it's it's like like an exploration thing. All right, ready? Here we go. Treasure hunt isn't a kid's game when you're living and your life depend on it. <laughs> Sharks don't play games. Their ancestors must have had quite a feast 250 years ago when a hurricane sank a fleet of Spanish galleons, along with $14 million in gold doubloons and pieces of eight. If you're lucky, you find some of it. If you're even luckier, you live to tell about it. Guesses? It's not in search of, is it? Uh, it is I'll not. let you know after. Okay, sorry. Sarah just said it's not. Any other guesses? Mutual of Omaha's Pirate Kingdom? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> okay, here's the rest of it. And man, that's when you know what life really is. You only go around once. You gotta grab for all the gusto you can, even in the beer you drink. Why settle for less? God damn it. When you're out of shit, <laughs> you're out of beer. <laughs> the sea meet again with underwater treasure hunting commercials oh Oh, speaking of schlitz uh while discovering that one i discovered this one and this is for omar who i know enjoys the music of uh, teddy pendergrass so here is teddy pendergrass (laughs) in a commercial for the uh exclusive premium bull malt liquor schlitz here we go So there's a whole bunch of these commercials, and each one a bull wow. runs through Cool Man Be style, right back. Like brick wall, buying a case of Schlitz malt liquor, <laughs> and uh, yeah, all the backup singers. Their first, on the their first thought is to all yell in unison, <laughs> "Save Teddy." <laughs> Which just makes this the best commercial ever. I Save think. Teddy reminds me of, uh, it makes him sound like Slurms McKenzie. Yes. <laughs> uh, all right. So my 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 um, plug, such as it is, uh, Quentin uh, emailed me after our uh, episode last week where I was talking about the Neverwhere uh, radio play and that uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. I haven't tracked it down. Um, so he let me know it is back on YouTube through Methods. Somebody's put it up there. So you can listen to there and I'll put the show notes, uh, the Earl in the show notes. Uh, listen to it fast for it disappears, I'm going to guess. Or if uh, you like to support your uh, creators, uh, Audible has it for $12. And it's like three hours long. So, you know, 12 bucks for three hours. So that's a good deal. Um, it's got uh, Cinnamon Toast and Crunch, um, Split Splits, James McAvoy, uh, and other <laughs> other other people who you know. And uh, I listened to about 10 minutes of it, and uh, it's really good. It's like one of those full-on BBC radio plays. So uh, check that out. It'll be in the show notes. 
All right. It is time for the canon. I am very much looking forward to this submission from Omar. Omar, take it away. Well, for the canon, I am submitting The Wren and Stimpy Show Season 1, Episode 3, Space Madness slash The Boy Who Cried Rat. Uh, now, this aired in August of 1991, and it got me thinking because we've been talking a lot about Twin Peaks lately and the return of that show uh, <laughs> to varying degrees of success. Uh, we did the canon submission a few months ago of the finale. Um, and, you know, there's been a lot of talk about how that show changed television forever in 1990 to 91. Um, around the same time, Ren and Stimpy came along. Uh, this this was August 91. And I think I would argue that for better or worse, it changed animation in much the same way that Twin Peaks changed TV drama. Uh, it helped shift, in many cases, animation back to the animators and artists it paved the way for boundary-pushing animated shows, including South Park, Adventure Time, and pretty much Adult Swim's entire animated slate. But how does it hold up today? Let's take a look at the episode. So after the show's jaunty opening theme song, we get to the first of two segments in which Ren and Stimpy are sitting down to watch Stimpy's favorite television show, Commander Hoek and Stimpy. <laughs> Clip one, please. Well, Stimpy, what's on TV tonight? Oh, joy! Hey, Ren, it's Commander Hawk and Stimpy. Happy, happy, happy. Joy, joy, joy. My favorite live-action drama. <laughs> Stimpy has an elaborate set of TV rituals, including wearing special underwear, a decoder ring, and chewing anti-gravity bubblegum, because who among us does not? The show within the show launches with a bombastic introduction. Clip two. You'll see futuristic technologies. Thrilling headgear. Spine-tingling toast. Be there. Scour the spaceways. Explore vast alien worlds. So Ren and Stimpy are on – characters within the show, within the show, are on a Star Trek-like vessel on a multi-year mission. And pretty soon the boredom and the overfamiliarity and the lack of real food begin to affect Commander Hoek, who we should probably say is a chihuahua, by the way. He goes crazy and begins chomping down on a giant bar of soap and has a full-blown Ren Hoek freak out. Clip three. You're not like the others. You like the same things I do. <laughs> Wax papers, boiled football leather, dog breath. We're not hitchhiking anymore. <laughs> We're, We're riding. riding. Stop it. <laughs> You're talking crazy. Oh, no. I know what you want. You covered it in my ice cream bar. Come on now. No, you don't. You can't take it from me now. I've had this ice cream bar. Since I was a child, people always trying to take it from me. Why won't they leave me alone? Uh, at this point, I should point out that the show's 50s art style and its combination of gross imagery alongside beautiful backgrounds and fluid animation are really evident, in particular in this episode. Both Ren and Stimpy have a wide range of expressions, and their voice work by Billy West as Stimpy and John Crick Falusi as Ren is obviously fantastic. The show has superb sound design. There's a lot of stuff going on in the background as, as the characters are talking. And in terms of plotting, there are no real rules. Um, it's not afraid to break reality as when the show's narrator pipes in as an actual character in the show when Stimpy is being tempted as he's guarding a history eraser button. Ren's revenge for being betrayed by his space companion. Clip four. 
Oh, how long can trusty Cadet Stimpy hold out? How can he possibly resist the diabolical urge to push the button that could erase his very existence? Will his tortured mind give in to its uncontrollable desires? Can he withstand the temptation to push the button that even now beckons him ever closer? Will he succumb to the maddening urge to eradicate history at the mere push of a single button? The beautiful shiny button! The jolly candy-like button! Will he hold out, folks? Can he hold out? It's a non sequitur ending as Ren and Stimpy are erased from their own show. Uh, it's never addressed the next time we see the, the space <laughs> characters, and that's perfectly fine. This was a show that never had to make sense exactly. Uh, in the next segment, it's a more conventional suburban setting where Ren and Stimpy get to basically play Tom and Jerry. They're starving on the street and need a plan to make money. Clip five. Man, I'm starving. What are we going to do? We could find some work. <laughs> work? Have you lost your mind? I'm sorry, Ren. I don't know what came over me. They knock on doors until a church of the subgenius type couple takes Stimpy in to be a rat catcher. Clip six. Can we keep him? He can catch mice. Don't be silly, dear. You know we don't have any mice. Squeak! Squeak! Squeak, I tell you, squeak! Man, that's the ugliest mouse I've ever seen. And he's beating up on our cheese. All right, cat, you got yourself a job. Here, here's five bucks. Five bucks! Uh, Stimpy ends up catching Ren after an extended chase sequence. Uh, Ren is wearing full Mickey Mouse gear as he pretends to be a rat. Uh, what follows is a lengthy sequence in which Stimpy has to try to eat Ren. It is a bravura animated sequence with uh, Ren inside Stimpy's mouth, uh, getting tongue getting like tongue bathed and ground between gross teeth. It's really a great sequence, uh, but unfortunately, it all ends up for nothing when their scheme backfires. Clip seven. <laughs> Talk about eating made me hungry. I ate the five bucks. <laughs> you stupid idiot! You filthy worm! You bloated sack! Poor, poor Stimpy. Uh, as a bonus, this episode features a short bit about Yak Shaving Day, which Ren and Stimpy are excitedly celebrating. Clip eight. Then, on Kilted Yak Eve. If you look real closely, you just might catch a glimpse of the shaven yak on his enchanted canoe. But don't forget to leave a heaping bowl of hot lather by the sink. (laughs) Uh, Ren and Stimpy didn't last more than a few seasons, and tensions between its creator and Nickelodeon led to the creative team falling apart and Billy West taking over voice duties for the two main characters. Uh, but it's still fondly remembered for most of its brilliant first season as a big step forward for animation as art and for a show 
that was able to straddle the line between adult humor and jokes for mostly older kids. Uh, it has boundless energy where most animated shows just kind of lay there listless. I think this episode in particular uh, is a great and very quotable example of what the show did best, recycling old movie lines and tropes and styles of animation to create something funny, new, and weird for its time. Uh, I hope you will consider Ren and Stimpy Season 1, Episode 3 for the canon. I feel like Dave should start. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I want to say that I have a friend who is a longtime animation industry uh, um, creator, and he worked with John Kay on a project that was um, happening at the same time as Red and Stimpy Season 1. And basically the reason why Season 2 and everything fell apart is that <clears throat> they, he according was... According to this person. According to this person, allegedly... Us. Well, it's just a timetable thing. Like they know, just, just did saying. not make it fast enough and they were not really uh how to put this. It seemed like maybe the creators of the show were uh had their minds elsewhere uh after doing a couple of these episodes and it was sort of uh, a lot of behind the scenes to hear to hear my friend say, a lot of behind the scenes uh poking and prodding and 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 going around things to get even season 1 out the door in time. And so uh having heard that as it was happening because you know I fell in love with this show right away. It was so in my wheelhouse. It was so fucked up and crazy and and like even the art had no rules, you know, like that was something that was like so different from the animation I grew up with, like the Mary Melody stuff, you know, that I would watch, which is not my contemporary, <laughs> not that old, but it was always the stuff that was on s Saturday mornings. But, you know, they obviously had character Bibles and how to draw them and like all those rules were thrown out the window for a show like this. Um, but anyways, so uh, to hear him say it, that uh, nobody was surprised that season two didn't happen. And so everybody basically, I'm sure just got fed up and then they just said, well, we'll do it ourselves or, and uh, it suffered for it. But um, um, I, AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as four ninety nine a month with an annual membership, and you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! can't well i'm just gonna leave it at that uh <laughs> <laughs> um 
But I, I really, really love this show a lot. Um, I will say Space Madness is like my f- one of my favorite, whatever, 12 minutes, 10 minutes of, of TV. When this came on, I was just floored by how stupid and funny this was. And um, the one quote that I will always bring up for just things that I like, I'd never eat it myself because I'm a vegetarian, but I will just say when something's good, oh, chicken pot pie, <laughs> which is uh, from a sequence you didn't clip, but I clipped it because I just love it so much. Here it is. I'll just lie back and think pleasant thoughts. Chicken pot pie. Chocolate covered raisins. <laughs> raisins, the official food of Extra Hot Great and Sister Podcast. Again with us until somebody Till somebody buys an ad that says otherwise. <laughs> Glazed ham. (laughs) (laughs) Space Madness is such a great episode, and it's like it 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 pushes so many of my buttons. You know, like Star Trekky stuff, and just like goofball, gross humor, and people going crazy. Uh, Really love it. Now, the second half, the boy cried rat is like I'm going to say probably. One of the lesser episodes of the first season. There's like a lot more coming uh, later on that is like super funny. You know the uh, the call the police episode, <laughs> uh, Powder Toast Man. There's a lot out there, and it's a shame for the purposes of the canon that this sort of predates Adult Swim, sort of breaking the barrier on how long a show can be. You know that a show could right. be 15 minutes and be its own episode, and that. You know, technically, because, you know, we're rule followers, you have to pitch both of these as one unit because that's the way it aired originally. Uh, Space Madness is like a triple A plus and the boy cried rat is like a B minus to me. Um, but Space Madness is such a great, like weird chunk of history that for me, it actually would sell the canon no matter what came after it. And it's nice that there's that weird yak thing that happens after the boy called rat, uh, b- the boy who cried rat. Cause it's just like weird and stupid and short. And for some reason, my favorite part of that is the silhouette of the yak flying, uh, rowing in the sky <laughs> in silhouette in his enchanted canoe. Uh, the animation is just great. And I really love the animation to show how they're not, you know, as I said before, you know, they kind of throw out the rules where, you know, they can have things that are off model, but then also switch to just like static paintings, which, you know, for all the gross details of nose hairs and uh, <laughs> teeth with like the, wood the nails wood, through wood it. Nails and, yeah. It. Like keeping them together and all that. And this isn't even the grossest scene set inside a mouth. No, it is not. No, no. the dental episode that is later oh. is a fantastic episode. Oh. Uh, which as I'm as well. sure I've said on this podcast before aired the day after I got my wisdom teeth out. Yeah. And that was when I watched it the first time. Missed oh, it. All I have left that is little beaver stinky chomp. black holes. Um, <laughs> Uh, my f- what my favorite sort of part is really hard to clip, um, but it's the way in which Ren eats his ice cream bar, which is a bar of soap, but just the way his mouth extends, and he does it like three times each one. He's just like in love with this ch- uh, this ice cream bar, which he's had since he was a child. Um, the animation is really great. The sound design is amazing. <laughs> Billy West is always great. Um, wherever he's doing voice stuff. And uh, I wonder like 
there there have been other shows obviously where the creator does voices but i wonder if it gives the network pause when they do like a show like regular show or whatever where or clone high or clone high yeah skedworth was one of them yeah well he's not a main character but yeah he's well he's up skedworth there is a yeah, main yeah, character. yeah i guess he is um but like the danger of having such a unique voice disappear if the creator either can't handle it yeah. decides to go away you know or or whatever um I wonder if there's like extra things in the contract these days to to avoid what happened here because you could really tell. I oh, mean, Billy sure. West is he's a good, good imitator, but... but he's not. You know, he couldn't he couldn't nail it. Um, so I'd be, all right, my last thought is uh, the other thing that I quote from this that I've been misquoting for 25 years or whatever it's been is when uh, unnamed in this in this episode, but George George Licker American uh, is screaming about people going through his trash. Keep out of my trash! I'm telling you for the last time! A man works hard for his filth just to have vagrants come and steal it. A man works hard for his trash <laughs> is something I've been misquoting for 25 yep. years. But uh, <laughs> whenever I feel like people are uh, stepping in on my crap, um, that's that's what I built out. So, uh, great episode. I really enjoy Space Madness. I could toss the boy who cried rat, but Space Madness is such a a perfect piece of what the fuckness that uh, is definitely a yes vote for me. What do you think, Tara? Yeah, I don't have much to add. That was a, a very uh, comprehensive response to this episode. I will say two things. One of my favorite is uh, Stimpy getting rolled back and forth in front of a button <laughs> by the announcer guy <laughs> yeah. that appears to like Hector him. This is so cute. Um, Stimpy is very Gordon-y in this episode or the other way mm. around. Gordon is <laughs> Stimp-like. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is that knowing more now than I did at the time about animators, I was very aware of how long the shot of the wife in The Boy Who Cried Rat standing on the back of the couch and really all you see is like her legs and her in high heels in the foreground is like, all right, this is a little pervy and I feel weird about it. But uh, that <laughs> other than that. I agree with Dave. Space Madness is an all-timer. Boy Who Cried Rad is fine. Um, and this was an excellent presentation. And you're right, Omar, this is a very groundbreaking show and really changed the landscape of animation that followed. Sarah. Um, so, yeah, Tara, I thought that that shot was a like um, nod to the Sylvester and Tweety. Oh, totally. yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, which, like, I liked it for that reason, because it, it did sort of go on for a while. But one of the things I love about Ren and Stippy is the sort of depth of uh, reference that they have for other animation. Mm -hmm. And there's some episode where, like, the same cactus, like, just keeps going by, and then they just speed up, and then they turn it into, like, a cross at one point. I don't know. Um Ren and Stimpy, we watched constantly in college. Just in this episode, there were, like, three different lines that I say to uh, our past guest and my longtime friend, John Ramos, literally every time we talk to each other, um, I was a little sad that there wasn't a log segment mm. <laughs> in this one, because that and international log, Los Cucarachas and Tron, there are no Pueden Salir. Like, I, I don't know. This, <laughs> this uh, show is braided into my consciousness. But um, yeah, I don't really have that much to add. Uh, <laughs> the I love that there's like room also for the dumb humor like throwaway lines like someone says roger and then a little guy pops up <laughs> roger here and then they just keep going uh with it um yeah i guess i mean i guess the cat and mouse thing is less than space madness but it was so enjoyable to revisit this show it had been a really long time 
And I'd forgotten just how many things I'd say on a daily basis from the show. Yep. Foremost among them, maybe something bad, maybe (laughs) something good. (laughs) So yeah, this was a delight, excellent presentation. And thanks for making us watch this because it really had been a long time. You know, Omar was talking about the legacy of this show. Like, you know, you can see it today in shows like Rick and Morty or whatever. But also, like, I think this paved the way for them to, like, actually do Beavis and Butthead. Because this was such a success that, like, a year and a half later, Beavis and Butthead was on the air. Is that the timeline? Yeah, Beavis and Butthead was, like, the next big thing in animation after Ben and Stimpy. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember because I was at university and you couldn't get any of these shows in Canada at the time on the same timeline anyways. And, um... Uh, somebody went to New York and reported back that there's this new show that everybody likes even more than Red and Stimpy now. It's <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. I'm like, Beavis and Butthead? That sounds stupid and you're stupid. Red yeah. and Stimpy forever. The first time I saw Red and Stimpy was That's when what... we were on vacation to Disney World when I was in my senior year of high school and like it blew my mind. It was like yeah. nothing I'd ever seen before, yeah. obviously. I can't believe this was on Nickelodeon PS. Like yeah. I know they put it yeah. on yeah. at night, but mm-hmm. still. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, all right. So uh, let's put this to the vote. I say yes. Me too. And Sarah? Yep. That means Red and Stimpy Season 1, Episode 3, Space Madness slash The Boy Who Cried Rat. You are hereby inducted into the Extra Hot Grief Cannon. <laughs> Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It is time for winner and loser of the week. Sarah has her winner. Uh, it is tempting to say CBS, which will be carrying the Comey hearings, but I'm going to go with Kathy Griffin, which after the Trump paper mache head contratops last week, is getting all the attention she craves and is going to have to do none of the work on TV on New Year's Eve that I'm sure she was not really looking forward to anyway, because she got fired over this. So congratulations, Kathy Griffin. You win again somehow. Loser? Uh, I have a sub winner that I forgot to mention in Around the Dial. Claws on TNT. Um, last weekend, the network aired a sneak peek of it. It is so good. This is the Niecy Nash runs a nail salon dramedy. Um, Dean Norris is also in it as a Dixie Mafia figure called Uncle Daddy. And features <laughs> 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 yes. uh, Carucci Tran, uh, Carrie Preston, many other luminaries. Uh, oh, Harold Perrineau Jr. plays her brother, uh, Niecy Nash's brother, not Carrie Preston's. It's uh, it's t- uh, Sunday nights. Please watch it. You will not regret it. The premiere was hot fire. Um, so we're going to have a new show fact sheet on that this week from Alex Idell. But since it's going to premiere before our next podcast comes out, I wanted to make sure that you knew it was a show and it is great uh loser of the week however (laughs) there was a brief moment when it was going to maybe uh have something to do with hbo's decision decision to have barry levinson and uh al pacino team up for a joe paterno biopic no one could possibly want no one but instead it's bill maher who um drew Universal uh, criticism for, I mean, universal from sensible people from for using the term house N on his real the episode of real time that aired on Friday, uh, causing Al Franken to cancel his planned appearance on the show this week and then decided to uh, double down on hatefulness by saying he really wants to get Milo Milo Yiannopoulos back on his show to rehabilitate him. Like even at this point, Milo must be like, uh, no, thank you. But uh, anyway, good. Wow. Good job. 
good job, Bill, for being what you are and get off our side. Not that you ever really, really on it, I would say. Speaking about things you would say, what would you say <laughs> time it is? Gilded Yak Eve? No, close. It is Gilded. the walking goats. Everybody, pay attention. This is the third game time of the season. Tara has two points, leaving all others with zero. Today we are playing WebMD TV. Oh no. <laughs> from Rob Hartman, who earns himself oh. an extra special bonus that we're going to get into it a little bit later. Ooh. All right, here we go. So you're up late watching TV and browsing WebMD. As you do. And now you're certain you have the symptoms of television related diseases and you're going to die. <laughs> You'll be given the symptoms, and you have to diagnose the show-disease combo. For example, you feel like one of your <clears throat> you feel like one of a group of coffeehouse dwelling pals with nitrogen bubbles forming in your blood after a scuba dive. You have friends, <laughs> the friends. Bends. Oh, friends, oh, bends. Okay, got it. Hartman. Oh, got it, got note: it. sometimes the combo is separate words, as in the example. Sometimes it is an overlapping mashup. Okay. Show and disease oh. can come in either order. You can get the disease for a hint. Two points for the correct answer, one point after the hint. Just do your best. The combinations are sometimes loose <laughs> and sometimes watery. Oh. <laughs> also to players, I apologize in advance, says Rob. This game is disgusting. <laughs> Let's throw it to Picky to see who's going to go first. <laughs> We will start with valued guests. All right. Our order is Omar, Tara, oh, Sarah. Are we ready to play WebMDTV? Yes. Sure. All right. Omar. I've got hives. Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> yes. When you see Deborah Messing as a Broadway lyricist, it makes your skin red and inflamed. Um, what Smash did you Rash? have? Smash Rash? Smash Rash. So is that that's two points? That's two points. Okay. Tara. Yes. You are Jim McKay reporting on athletic competitions and hard skin gross. Um disease? Warts. Wide world of sports warts? Sarah. <laughs> you're a Brooklyn child smacker who has <laughs> discharge and painful urination. A little close to home, Rob Hartman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, the slap clap? The slap clap. <laughs> the spin-off we were denied. Omar, back to you. You're investigating aliens and government conspiracy and also need to investigate some Preparation H. Oh, What do you have? <laughs> the Preparation H files? You've got X-Files piles. Sure do. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Tara. Yes. You're Queen Escort Elizabeth Hurley, and you've got bumpy red pus-filled lumps. Oh. The Royals boils? The Royals boils. Nice. Sarah, you're Brandy oh, wow. starring in a UPN sitcom with patchy bald spots. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't? Um... Moesha Propecia? 
<laughs> Moesha alopecia. Yeah, that's close enough. Alopecia. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, oh, Propecia is the medication. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. You're hanging with Wow and the situation, and you have painful mouth ulcers. You are hanging uh, with Wow and the situation, and you have painful mouth ulcers. You can ask for the hint. Shore. Oh, he the Jersey Shore. Oh, uh, let me get the the disease. Omar, can can, can you speak up or uh, bring your mic up because it's uh, getting uh, hard to hear. You. Can I get the disease? Yes, canker sore. Oh, the Jersey Shore canker sore. Oh, yes, that's what you have, Tara. Yep. You're <laughs> okay. on a CBS morning political interview show, and things just aren't moving back there. Morning. You're on a CBS Sunday morning political interview show, and things it just oh, aren't moving back there. Face the nation constipation. <laughs> <laughs> you feel like white wine drinkers Sally Field and Callista Flockhart, who develop raised pockets of fluid due to friction. Brothers and sisters blisters? <laughs> <laughs> Omar, oh, you're <laughs> you're searching for the Damn perfect it, bridal gown with severe gut pain and inflammation. Um, <laughs> uh, say yes to the dress abscess. Oh, <clears throat> say yes to the dress IBS. Does he get a point for the show, uh, or it has no. to be the whole? Okay, no. sorry, Omar. You feel like Kristen Ritter trying to pass a rock through your urethra. <laughs> Jessica Jones, kidney stones. Yeah. <clears throat> you are in a sci-fi series, Sarah, about reality show contestants in remote Russian territory with fever and a swollen neck. <laughs> uh. What? Yeah. Uh, can you read it again? I'm sorry. Second. You are in a sci-fi series about reality show contestants in remote Russian territory with fever and a swollen neck. Wow. Can I have the disease, please? Diphtheria. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Mm. Siberia? Diphtheria? There you hey. go. We'll give you the one point. Yes. Remember, remember <laughs> Siberia? Show for a second. <laughs> I did not remember that clearly. I remember doing the graphic for the new show fact sheet, and it sounded. Oh no, I did a I did a speculative thing okay. about what it would be. Uh, you're in the nursery with Kermit, Piggy, and Nanny, and you're foaming at the mouth. <laughs> Mupp- Muppet babies, rabies. Muppet babies, rabies. Right, Tara. Yep. You're a TV judge with a growth on the sole of your foot. Um. <laughs> I need the I need the disease. Plantar wart. Shit. I don't know. People's court. People's court. <laughs> Sarah, your Netflix whiny white boy martial arts superhero who is basically <laughs> a fluid fluid filled sack. <laughs> your Netflix whiny boy martial arts superhero who is basically a fluid filled sack. Oh my god. Uh, iron f- fist cyst. <laughs> Omar, 
You're mm. under Captain Steubing's command with a belly full of gas. <laughs> mm. I better get the I better get the disease. Bloat. Hi, ah, damn it. The love boat bloat. Love boat bloat. I didn't All think right. bloat was a disease, so I okay. Well, you know. Number 17. Spread eagle. Spread eagle. You're a lovable neurotic New York couple with a bovine brain inflammation. <laughs> Mad cow about you. <laughs> Sarah Brunting, bring us into our first score break. You're Queen Latifah and gal pals with a painful outbreak of her herpes roster. Roster? R-O-S-T-E-R? Zoster, I Zoster? think. Okay. Uh, living single shingles. Yeah, living shingles. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Living shingles. Got it. All right, that brings us in to our first score break scores. Please talk. Okay, Sarah is in the lead with 11. I have nine. Omar has six. Okay, so Omar, that means you are in. The Grossworth Equalizer Challenge Zone answer three of these six mid-80s Trivial Pursuit TV questions right, and you will get four points. No, they may not be about shows from the mid-80s, just the card is. The card is from the 80s. Ready? Got it. What variety show featured many a quarrel between Ed and Eunice? Uh, Mama's Family. Ooh, close. Carol Burnett show. Uh, what future talk show? Uh, what future talk show's host first TV program was The Squirrel's Nest? <laughs> Mentioned already in this in this podcast. Really? Yes. Can you read it one more time? What future talk show's host's first TV program was The Squirrel's Nest? Was it David Letterman? Johnny Carson. Oh, Oh, damn it. Who did Cliff Barnes marry in an attempt to control two-thirds of Ewing Oil? (laughs) What was the character? Cliff Barnes. Was it Sue Ellen? Jamie, Jamie oh. Ewing. All right, got to get all these. Who's in charge of security at the Hawaiian estate of Robin Masters? <gasps> Higgins? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not even going to read the rest of them. I'm so disgusted by that Damn answer. It. It's Thomas Magnum. Jeez. Oh. All right, guys. Back to Omar for the game. This is number 19. <laughs> yes. I blew it. No, 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 no. You're a high-strung house flipper, and your big toe is red and throbbing. Mm. Uh, can, can I get the show? No, you can get the disease. Oh, um, can I get the disease? Gout. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I can't think of the show. Uh that's flipping gout, flipping out gout. Oh. Yeah, either one of those was acceptable. Tara, yes. you're menopausal, flushed and sweating, hey. and, and you fight crime <laughs> at superhuman speeds. Uh, um, The hot flash? <laughs> You've got inflammation of the eye, and you're a wacky redhead married to a Cuban band leader. <laughs> Pink I Love Lucy? Omar, you're a 60s ad exec with a fierce headache and a stiff neck. (laughs) 
These are all squished up together now. Can you, can you read it one more time? You're a 60s ad executive with a fierce headache and a stiff neck. I'm going to need the disease. Meningitis. Mad meningitis. <laughs> Mad meningitis. <laughs> Damn it. My brain's not working anymore. Yeah, You've got patches of scaly skin, and you're one of the Mori twins. M-O-W-R-Y. Soraya sister sister. Nice. Right. Sarah, you've been infected by a waterborne bacteria as well as chipper nurses and nuns on bicycles. <laughs> chipper nurses and nuns on bicycles? Yeah. Uh, waterborne <laughs> disease? Yep. Uh, can I have the disease, please? Cholera. Cholera the midwife? <laughs> Omar, your gums are bleeding from a vitamin C deficiency, but you somehow went from vice president to president anyway. <laughs> oh. Um, scurveep. Yeah, nice <laughs> scurveep. <laughs> you feel like you're Heather Locklear with a persistent facial redness. Oh, Mel Rosacea Place? Mel Rosacea Place. <laughs> nice pull. <laughs> All right, this one is indeed for Sarah D. Bunting. You take sex-related crimes personally, but you also have to keep chugging cranberry juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, picky. Law and Order SVUTI. <laughs> Omar, you'll defuse the bomb with a paper clip and duct tape if you can overcome your Hitchcockian dizziness. MacGyvertigo. <laughs> Tara? Yep. You're in a MASH spinoff and you're turning yellow. Uh, I don't know the show. It's jaundice, but I don't know what the show is. Anybody? Is there any steel bills out there or anything? I don't, I don't think so. there are right at the moment. No. No. Trapper Jaundice ah, MD. Oh, Jesus. Bring us into our second score break. Sarah D. Bunting, you're a plucky Canadian orphan with plenty of red hair, but not enough red blood cells. <laughs> <sighs> but not enough red blood cells? Anemia of Green Gables? <laughs> or no. anemia with an e. Yeah. Yeah. And and Ane- with anemia. And she with anemia. But she named both the show and the Yeah, movies. yeah. We'll give that to you. Okay, score break. Okay, Sarah still in the lead with 18. I have 15. Omar has 11. Uh-oh. Dynasty guard. Omar, you're back in the growth of equalizer challenge. 4 points are yours. I'll do better. Here we go. What Western cartoon show features segments with Snooper and Blabber? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, okay, fuck? all right. Yeah, yeah, I know of this. Western what Western cartoon, cartoon uh, show features segments with Snooper and Blabber? Uh, Quick Drama Graw? Yeah. Oh. How many contestants tried to stump the panel on each I've Got a Secret show? Two? Four. What are the names of Macmillan and Wife? You get this, I'm just going to give you the point straight up. John and Mary, I have no idea. Stuart and Sally. 
What kind of uh, car does Emma Peel drive? It's a fancy car. Uh, mm, a Aston Martin? Close. Mm. A Porsche. All right, got to get these two. What primetime soap featured <laughs> Ava Gardner's first TV part? Primetime soap. From the 80s, mm. probably. And I'm going to say yes, it's from the 80s. Uh, Knott's Landing? Correct. Wow. Ooh. So <laughs> it all comes down impressed. to this one. Four points. Holy shit. What veteran courtroom character headlined in 1985's highest rated TV movie? Veteran courtroom character headlined in 1985's highest rated TV movie. The character that came back for a TV movie. Who is it? Courtroom character. Matlock? Oh. Perry, Perry Mason. Mason. Okay, wait. Damn was, it. I, was the second round double points? Nope. Oh, okay. Why? Because you said it was for four points. Well, That's it's why. because maximum is two points. So you can win and then you double it up. Uh, for okay, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yes. Okay. Back to the game, Omar. You're one of a pair of sex researchers with an itchy, weeping skin condition. <laughs> oh. Why? Uh, Playing a little loose for the pronunciation on this one. Well, yeah. Mm, give me the disease. Uh, okay, eczema or eczema? Masters of sexema. Yeah, I'm going to give you two <laughs> points for that one because of the uh, the pronunciation thing. Ash and Pikachu are low level. Ex- Ash and Pikachu are low level exhausted. Maybe they were sharing a toothbrush. Oh, Pokemon nucleosis. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I'm just impressed how many diseases you guys are getting from these hints. I think I've got two so far. You have persistent visions of Dennis Franz's butt. <laughs> And autoimmune disease with joint pain and rash. <laughs> NYPD lupus? NYPD lupus. <laughs> Are you kidding? Oh, <laughs> it's never lupus, but it is in this case. You're a hacker. A is anything real? Is Christian Slater real? Are these bacterial spores in your canned food real? <laughs> That's for Obar. Mr. Mr. Robotulism. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Tara. Yes. You've got a sore, you got a red sore throat and Matt LeBlanc playing himself. Oh, Streposodes. Streposodes. Cute. Sarah, you're in the afterlife hanging with Mandy Patinkin with fever and a spotty rash. Oh, fever and a spotty rash. Uh, dead like measles. <laughs> Omar, you're a lar lar. You're a law professor with questionable ethics and itchy, irritated skin. How how to get away with dermatitis? Yeah, how to get away with, with murder, murder dermatitis. with murder dermatitis? Murder dermatitis. <laughs> murder dermatitis. <laughs> you're uh, Tara. Yeah. You're an animated teenager historical figure with low blood sugar. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, <laughs> oh, 
disease. So mad. Hypoglycemia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to call it. Clone hypoglycemia. Of course, going, I was hung up on the character, not the show name, stupid. You're a film-obsessed teen who unleashes self-indulgent monologues and bloody diarrhea. <laughs> oh my God. In the viewer. <clears throat> You're a film-obsessed teen who unleashes self-indulgent <laughs> monologues and bloody diarrhea. Bloody, bloody. diarrhea. <laughs> I just... Uh, there's some mental images involving a... Sure. Both that are not yeah. cute anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Dawson's God. Uh, I need the disease, actually. Yeah. E. coli. Uh. Dawson's Cree coli. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Omar. Can't even be mad. Now, this might be the clue that somebody is describing you right now. You've got loose, watery oh. stool and a weekly political talk show on HBO just discussed in Winner and Loser of the Week. Hmm. Loose watery stools, eh? Yeah. Ah. <laughs> uh, real time with Bill Maher. Diarrhea. Let me get the disease. Yeah, diarrhea. <laughs> real time with Bill Maher diarrhea? Diarrheal time with Bill Maher. Oh, they're, they're real time with Bill Okay, Tara, you're a you're in a Melrose Place spin-off running an agency for beautiful girls who depend on depends. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> models incontinent. Yeah. Models Inc. Oh, Hartman. Evil. All right, bring us into our, our final uh, Grossworth Equalizer challenge uh score break. Robert Guillaume, right? Yes, that's yeah. how you pronounce mm-hmm. it. Okay. Didn't use high enough SPF. Didn't use high enough SPF. Yes. This isn't a disease, but it is. It's an affliction. It's an affliction, yeah. Didn't use high enough SPF. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think this is... Re- uh, I, uh-huh. Thanks. Is it Ben Sunburn? It is Ben Sunburn. Yes, correct. Oh, okay. Cool. All right, score break, please, Sarah. Sarah, still in the lead with 25, 6, 26. I have 21. Omar has 17. Omar, you could zoom into the tie for second place if you can pass this Grossworth Equalizer Challenge. Good Here luck, Omar. we go... Who so was the first pro hockey player to appear on a soap opera? <laughs> Your area in both respects. I would say, guess the most famous hockey player you can. Wayne Gretzky. Hey! What Alabama-born singer's variety show regulars included a hand puppet named Jonathan Rebel? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Never heard of this guy. No thanks. Mm. Alabama uh, born singer. Any idea? First, uh, I gave you a hint. First name's Bobby. Oh, that narrows it down. Yeah. All right. <laughs> no uh, idea. Bobby Goldsboro. Nope. 
Never heard of him. What show features Debbie Allen as a dance teacher? Fame? Yeah! Yes, indeed. What late sex bomb? What? What late sex bomb had just way? Oh, I see. What late sex bomb has just wiggled into the stage when Ed Sullivan's band plunged into climb every mountain? What sex? What? Yeah. What late <laughs> okay. sex bomb had just wiggled onto the stage when Ed Sullivan's band plunged into climb every mountain? Marilyn Wait, Monroe. That's tardy, not dead, right? I don't know. Uh, but the answer was Jane Mansfield. All right, so got two. One of these two will get you four points. Where did the Nortons go on their honeymoon? Don't overthink it. Where did the Nortons go on their honeymoon? <laughs> to the Cramdens? Yes. No. Oh, that's your answer. Niagara Falls. What oh. U.S. state is the setting for Larlamie? For what? Laramie. Laramie. <laughs> Larva me? I said Lara me. <laughs> oh, I heard Larva me. Lamar <laughs> oh, me. Uh, North Carolina. Ooh, that's Wyoming. Close, but no cigar. All right, guys. Last round. Three questions each left. Okay. Now the mashup is actor and disease. Oh, actor. Oh, okay, got okay. it. Got it. Yep. The clue is still the disease, but it will contain. You know, it will inform the uh, the actor in the same way. Ready, Omar. You're Watson to a New York Sherlock, and you've got fever, cough, and body aches. Um, Lucy Lou, Lucy, it's not Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, let me get the disease. Flu. Oh, Lucy flu. <laughs> Lucy Lou flu. Tara. Yeah. Your voice switches between a multitude of Springfieldian characters and you've been bitten by a parasite carrying mosquito in the tropics. Hank Azaria malaria. Nice. Sarah D. Bunting. You're, if you're a neurotic, inept vice president, maybe it's because of the fever you picked up from lice and fleas. If you're an erotic, inept vice president, maybe it's because of the fever you picked up from lice and fleas. Uh, character and disease on no, this one. Actually, I mean, actor, yeah, Louis Dreyfus Typhus. <laughs> hey, as nice mentioned Louis. on Slack earlier today. <laughs> I know. What are the odds? Omar, <laughs> you're a Beverly Hills housewife and restaurant owner with swollen chipmunk cheeks. <laughs> No idea, Omar. You, yeah, no. Uh, this is this might be outside. Is that of you. Out of your out of your area. Yeah, Joe Reed is freaking yeah. out right now. Do you want the disease? Maybe it'll rhyme unless up it's, your memory. Unless it's Kelsey, unless it's Kelsey Grammer's wife. Uh, mm, no, I have no idea. Okay, the disease is mumps. Does it help? Mm, That's no. Vanderpump's mumps. Vanderpump's oh, no. mumps. Tara. Yeah. You feel like Perry Mason and Ironside, and you've got inflamed knees. Raymond Bursitis. Ha <laughs> nice. Sarah, you run the snatch game, throw shade in the library, and have growths in your colon. <laughs> Rupolips? <laughs> sad how fast I got that. Thank you. Omar. It's hard to replace Agent Mulder when you've got fragile bones from a vitamin D deficiency. 
Oh shit. That's cold. It's hard to replace Agent Mulder when you've got fragile bones from a vitamin D deficiency. Oh, what's the disease? Rickets. David Duchovny Ricketts? What the hell? Uh, Replacing Agent Mulder. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, uh, Robert Patrickets? Yep. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, there you go. There's your point. Okay. Okay. Tara, your last question. Yes. If you're having an affair in Montauk and you've been bitten by an infected mosquito, you're having an affair in Montauk yeah. and you've been bitten by an infected mosquito. Fuck. Disease? West Nile virus. Ugh, Dominic West Nile virus. One point. All right. Last question of the game. You're a Beverly Hills blonde with stiff inflamed knuckles and you're a bitch about it. <laughs> yes. <sighs> oh, God bless us, everyone, but especially Rob Hartman and Picky. Jenny Garthritis. Jenny Garthritis is correct with two points. Nice. Such a blowout. Omar had 19, I had 26. Sarah debunting with 32. Well Andrea for the win. Sarah. 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 Congratulations, Sarah. Uh, indeed. Thank you. All, all right. This game time was brought to you by our upcoming podcast. What? Hosted by none other than the creator of this very game, Rob Hartman. No. Do you play yes. along with game time each, each week? Think you know your TV stuff? Put it to the test on Extra Hot Game Time, where the listeners oh. are the players and hamburgers eat people. <laughs> The first season That's starts awesome. soon, but we will need players. If you're interested, sign up to be a contestant at previously.tv slash play game time or check the show notes for the link. Also check out the extra hot game time forums where Rob will explain the structure of the season a little bit more and how everything is going to work. All right. That is extra hot game time coming soon to your favorite podcast device. You can subscribe now. If you go to previously.tv slash podcast, the links and everything will be there. Very exciting. And, Indeed. Uh, he just needs a little time to get the contestants and then it'll start. So I'm going to guess within a month, we're going to see the first extra hot game time going. So fun. It's a whole season structure. You play. If you win, you go on to the playoffs. There's going to be a finalist and there's going to be accolades and kudos and you'll be raised above your friends as they <laughs> chant down the street winner of extra hot game time etc so look for Eagle that soon. and thank you rob hartman for all your uh games uh past present and future and for hosting uh, extra hot game time that is it for another episode of extra hot great we stepped up to the open mic for our thoughts on i'm dying up here and discovered something worse than jazz along the way <laughs> before going around the dial with stops at the leftovers Fear the Walking Dead, Long Stange Trip, and the return of Schlitz Beer Ads. Omar made us all happy, happy, joy, joy with his successful pitch of Ren and Stimpy Space Madness and the Boy Who Called Rat episode. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Sarah was the winner of this week's Game Time. Speaking of Game Time, remember you can now subscribe to Extra Hot Game Time on iTunes, Google Play, 
or in the application of your choice and be ready for when the first episode hits. You can visit previously.tv podcasts for all the links to that show and all our other growing <coughs> podcast network offerings. Remember, we're listening. I am David T. Cole, and on behalf of Tara Ariano, show us your tits, Sarah D. Bunting, hurdle through the cosmos in today's yeah. turgid episode, <laughs> and Omar Gayaga. We're not hitchhiking anymore, <laughs> we're riding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time right here on Extra Not Great. <laughs> Do you have to keep tapping like that? This has been a production of the previously.tv podcast network.